We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In 1919, he hit 29 home runs and was sold to the New York Yankees. A three-run home run for Buckingham. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. Bill Lee is now going over to a couple of the Yankees, and there they go again. Tech and A-Rod going at it. Roberts is going. Masada's throw. Roberts, safe. What can I say? Just tip my hat and, and call the Yankees my daddy. Welcome to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. I'm Brian Shackman. He's John Senecal. He's got the hat and the shirt on. It's and only listen- because my hair is a mess. Oh, Not that I didn't comb it, it's just getting long. I'm starting to look like you, Brian. Stop it. I'm 50 now. You don't want to look like me. you got a couple of years to go. Episode 49, listen, it's pretty simple. And I went to the game on Saturday. We talked last week. You said the last week we talked, you said the Yankees had to go 7-2 and two to finish. I said they had to sweep the, the Sox at Fenway. And they, who knows if they'll go seven and two, but they, they've certainly succeeded in, in the first step, which is to sweep the Red Sox. And before I launch into a bunch of different things, I mean, what are your first impressions after watching that series? Well, if you want, if you want something with a little bit of everything, a series, you got it. Um, you know, for Yankee fans, obviously, it's great. Um, for Red Sox fans, I mean, it's interesting because you see some of the players like Verdugo is still smiling, kind of in the dugout because like you're not out of it. Obviously, you're in it, but still a tough pill to swallow. But if you're a baseball fan and you wanted to watch some good baseball, not good baseball, but just interesting baseball, right? Um, that was that was it. Well, the Sox could have won two out of three, absolutely, e- easily. So what I'm going to say is because you watched on TV, I was there Saturday. We had friends uh, last week said we can't make it. Do you want to go? And then my wife and I were like, because we literally had to like neglect one of our kids, get a ride home for the other, yeah, and, take, juggle. and take one of them with us and drop them at, at Leave their them cousins. outside the park. <laughs> like, literally, that's like what we did. So uh, we had to juggle, but we decided, you know, screw it. We're going to do it. Where were and, your seats? Uh, we were in our, our regular Normal season ticket seats. seats down the left field line. But I want to ask you first, like, what what did that game take Saturday, for example? What did it look like on TV? It looked like and sounded like there was a hell of a lot of Yankee fans there. That's what it sounded like. I mean... And then I listened back to it this morning with my headset on, and yep. I was just kind of listening over the highlights again, and you can hear it even more. Um, it's it's amazing. It was, I've never I've never heard it like that. It was stunning. There was two things. There was uh, there was competing like here we go Red Sox, here we go Yankees. Back and forth. The typical and, stuff. But but really truly, the Red Sox fans could not drown them out. Right. And there were there were just and I think it's because they don't and the game wasn't sold out. So we we walked up uh, one of the side streets and there was a line. This is a four o'clock game on a Saturday. Right. There was a line of a couple hundred people, and I'm like, 
because security is a little more intense with COVID yep. and everything. I was like, is that a line to get in? We well, Let's go around here. Turns out it was walk-up ticket sales. So they didn't sell out. They still didn't sell out, first of all. But they was they they must beautiful have had, Saturday afternoon. They must Yankee have had ten thousand walk up ticket sales. Like I and there were tons of Yankee. Fans Everybody there. came up from New York. Well, I will say that, or it, they showed up from New York. There England. were more opposing team fans than I had ever seen. And for a Yankees Red Sox series, it was more than I had ever seen. And the crazy thing about it is that when I was growing up, if you were a Red Sox anything to Yankee Stadium, or if a Yankee fan wore Yankee stuff to Fenway, it was dangerous. Dangerous, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear the end of it the and whole game. And there was some back and forth, but it was it, it, it's not like that anymore. The culture's changed. It's just different. And But it was, it was... I've been going to Fenway for 40 years, and I've been going there multiple times a year for the last 15, and I've never experienced anything like that. And it was, it was stunning in a sense that... It, wasn't sad it was just so off-putting but having said that the atmosphere was kind of electric so at home did it feel playoff like or no it like listen watching it on yeah, tv yeah playoff like yeah absolutely because no matter what and when anything happens so if you have that mix of fans right you're always going to get cheering right because the red sox fans are trying to drown out the yankee fans and right. there's probably more yankee fans there the way you're talking so you're going to get no matter what you're going to get a good cheer well, you right? got to cheer when Stanton hit that grand slam. Oh, it, was it was cheering. I yeah. mean, it was like but, I was like, "Holy again, crap!" Like what I'm saying, almost every play, right? Like, no, no, I get you it. because this, if it was bad for the Red Sox, you cheer, people cheer for right. the Yankees. So, I so, get it. So the, so the atmosphere on TV was great, but you know, going back to the grand slam, I mean, it was that was insane. I mean, we were my me and my boys are watching it on TV, and, and huge, huge moment, obviously, to hit a grand slam. So. I take full responsibility for the loss, and because like I was getting into the minutia of the game in a way that I, I honestly don't always do. That you know, uh, Tanner Houck came in, yep. very good pitcher, yep. and he I think he pitched like ten straight balls. Yeah, he struggled, but he got squeezed a couple times badly, in my opinion. And then and then a couple of things happened, and I look up, and it's twenty five pitches, thirteen strikes. So he must have pitched like ten of eleven strikes in a row after he pitched the ball. He warmed up, but I say to my wife. He's he's totally turned it around. He's pitched like 10 strikes in a row. And she said, I noticed it too, idiot, but I didn't say anything. And you know what happened right after that? Three straight balls to Brett Gardner. And he put him on base, and that was it. Yeah. Like once Gardner was on base, I'm not saying I, I knew, I know you're trying to claim you called the home run, but like whatever. Anytime Stanton gets up, you could say, yeah, he's going to hit a home run. Stanton wasn't but, up, though, when I called whatever. It. The point is, is that like, like my wife was like, you just blew it. And then he hits the stupid home run, which he hit. Freaking daylights out yeah. of that thing. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was so deflating. I mean, it was legitimately so deflating. And it sucked the air out of the stadium. And I and I jinxed it. But I was it, it, up until that point, it was it, it really felt like you know the, the things were going well for the Sox. But I do want to point out one other thing. And as I'm randomly getting my thoughts out, it's the second time I've been to a game against the Yankees with Aaron Judge. I think it's only the second. He was in right field. We were in left. And even that far away, like he was as far away from me as any player. Yep. He's a giant. Yeah. So like, I went to the Yankee game, the the makeup game of the one that got rained oh, out from right. the, the Superstorm right. or whatever. And there was nobody there, right? There's nobody at that game because it was a 2 o'clock on a Monday. Right. I remember that. So I go down and we had good seats anyway. So we were in the lower lower bowl 
um, so you can get anywhere you want it. Right. And I always wanted to sit in right field and sit on those front seats. So, like, in the first inning, I'm looking. I'm like, well, there's nobody out there. I'm like, if by the third inning, if there's nobody out there at all in those You're seats, going. we're going. Yep. Nobody's going to say anything. So, like, third inning, we look, and there's still a nice rip of, like, eight seats in a row. And sure enough, I'm like, let's go. We went down there and sat the rest of the game. Awesome. That was the game. They came back. They had not scored, coming back from four runs at all. And they came back and judge hit the home run. But to go with your point, Brian, I'm sitting there and every inning he's interacting with the fans and throwing a ball to someone and a mountain of a man. Just insane. He's like, huge. The bat looks like a toothpick. Yep. And like and all the guys, I don't even know who the guy was in left field. He's big too. I mean, gardeners are shrimp. Gallo. But yeah, Gallo's a big dude too. Yep. And uh, he looks way younger when he shaves, by the way. He looks way crazy, too, man. Gallo just looks like he's got a screw loose. Right, but like when he had the beard in Texas, he yeah. just looked older. And I, he didn't look... I think he's only like 27. I he's, know, but he looked like grizzled. Yeah, like you know, Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it was... But I was just blown away by the sheer presence of that guy. And and I, I, and I could not believe it. The other thing about Judge, which is ama- you know amazes me, is he he does everything like so graceful. Now, like the home run he robbed in the series... It was like a shot, and it's yeah. like he got back there and made the play in that sun in his face like it was nothing. Right. It was like so nonchalant. And then sometimes when he throws the ball, it's like like you're looking at him, and you're like, can you throw it? Just get rid of it. But then he gets rid of it, and it's there like a missile. And it's it. he does everything so graceful, but it looks so slow almost. Yeah, he's. it's just It's kind of, I, I just was blown away and kind of struck by just the sheer mass of the man. Okay, so we put that behind us. I mean, the, the clearly the focus is, and we all know, the Yankees end with three with Toronto on the road. I wanted three, to talk three, more about Judge, though. Oh, you he do? had the pivotal play. Talk about a ma- we talk about two masses of a man, right? We'll talk about Cowboy Joe West behind the plate yep. in game three. Oh, so you want to talk about the Sunday game Absolutely. with that at bat? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, because I broke it down multiple big, times. In my opinion, that's probably the biggest play of all three games, right there. Okay. So, do you want to take? Because I can take it through pitch, almost pitch by pitch. All right, I mean, you take it. I mean, listen. In my opinion, the, the umpires in general weren't good. Well, they're far too more too involved in the results. They're right? loose. And, they're very loose. They're going back to the Greg Maddox days. They're very loose. So and the, I said this last year during the pandemic, and my theory was is the coaches couldn't come out and fight them, so they were just doing a power trip. But you was, the, the, the problem now is with the K-Zone and all the, the, the streaks and the trackers and all that, there's no room for error, right? You're under the right. microscope. So when you're missing that bad in those pivotal situations, you just can't have it. And he just doesn't care. See, the, you the, can tell no matter what, if he's behind the plate or in the field, like he, he looks like he doesn't care. Well, Joe West, he's done after this year. But I... I Personally, like the trackers and stuff, like when it's a clear miss, that's an issue. But like, I like high strike calls. I mean, I think the strike zone is too low in general. Like, I I think stuff is at the belly button, and they're calling high strike. So I have a big problem. That's a different conversation. To me, it wasn't the ball strike issue. It was the Bobby Dahlbeck. You know, so Aaron Judge is up, down a run. Yep, two guys on base. Sloppy play in this pop up, sloppy play, and Bobby Dahlbeck. I'd say. Seven to eight out of ten major league first basemen make that catch. Yeah, well, I mean, I know it was right by the edge. Something had to been going on with the wind. It was windy yesterday in New England, and it he had did. to been going on a little he bit. Should at least put his glove as far as it could possibly go. He thought the fence was closer. Yeah. So I'll go back to the netting. I hate the damn netting. Fine, I do too, hate and it. I, and I understand the liability and the risk, but I don't like it Get either. Off your phones, but it, it's the reality of the world. So Bobby Dalback doesn't catch that. That would have been an out. Then you have. Uh, the strike three that they ruled a tip that they said. Now this I didn't see, I didn't see the highlight on this, but I was told that 
he actually did catch it, but the ball dropped when he was trying to get it to his throwing hand. Transfer. In real time, it looked like – you could hear the tip, right? In real time, right. it looked like it was a foul tip, and he dropped it. Okay. But it also sounded like it was so fast that he could have swung and missed foul t- and swung and missed it, and he dropped it. But in real time – Watching it on TV, I did not think that he was doing it on the transfer. It, okay, so it looked like a drop to you. It did look like okay. a drop, but obviously not. I would think if you're that close to the action, you would you would probably know what's. So going we're talking on. about Sunday's game when Judge was up again with in the eighth inning two with strikes. two on and two strikes. And what happened is is that and then after potentially being out twice, he doubles, takes the lead, and then Stanton comes in and does another out of the park. Literally, like out of the stadium, home run to give them the six-three lead and the game. And this is the eighth inning, so I mean, this is dagger time. Yeah, this isn't the fourth inning or the fifth inning. And so it was, but that's the point about the weekend that's just reinforced. It's not new to me. Is that it's like the Benjamin Button thing? Do you ever watch? You know, yeah. the Benjamin Button. So like when the girl broke her leg in that car thing, they go backwards about all the many things that could have changed right. to make her not there at that time. That's baseball. Yeah. Like, because any little thing can lead to anytime a bunch of different outcomes. Mi- anytime you make a mistake in baseball, it always comes back to it's hurt crazy. you. It's crazy. It's 99. It's like Dove, 99.999% of the time. <laughs> nice. It does come back to bite you. It, it, it does. It, and I, I don't care what level you play at. Like, watch watch Little League. It's always a disaster, right? But when someone makes an error, when it gets towards the end of the season, and the kids are actually playing good or in All-Stars right. or whatever— Always comes back to bite you. Same thing here. Like, granted, it might not have been their mistake with Judge, right? But the dollback play, right? Sure. Same thing with DJ and Gallo. The inning before, where they're dropping, they're, they're dropping pop-ups. Right, right. And it, but it just shows you that also the good fortune of the Yankees for those problems to happen with Judge and Stanton up, as opposed to any other part of the order. But uh, he's John Senecal. I'm Brian Shackman. This is episode 49 of Fanbase. A deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. And now, listen, we got to talk schedule here because I just want your take. Uh, Yankees uh, at Toronto, home against Tampa. It's six games for all the marbles. Basically, now you think they can go four and two and make the playoffs, correct? They they only have yes, to go four and two. I would think so. They can do it, but again, you you can't go in with that mentality. Um, there is a little bit of leeway, obviously, but six games, Brian. You can't. You can't. You have to. You have to try to win out. But I mean, like you said. Tampa has already got it, so are they going to be playing full? full? See, I think New York's lucky to have Tampa at home at the end because I think they're just going to work on their rotation for the next round. I think I don't. I do not see Tampa rolling over and playing dead. I just don't. What, why? I mean, what, what they're not going to roll and play dead, but they, they got they're no going to make sure they're going to make sure they want out there. They're going to make sure their rotation is set for the first round okay. of playoffs. So that's going to affect that series. Yeah, but it's not going to be much different. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to take the other rookie that nobody ever talks about and pitch him. I'm just saying that their three best pitchers probably won't pitch in that series. I'm, and I'm not saying the Yankees are going to win the games. I mean, I'm saying that it's not – when you first look at it, you're like, oh, my gosh, they have Toronto and, and Tampa, and Tampa's the best of the division. I'm I just saying it. they're not going to get the best of Tampa. It, I'm not, it's not like I, it matters to me. I just don't th- – I think they're going to be more beatable than they would you know, in the middle of July. You could say that, but I think just going by the way Tampa and the Yankees, they don't like each other and the you know the bad blood, I don't think so. I think they're going to go at them. Now, you could say the pitching thing, that's to be determined because every time you look at someone's rotation right now, nobody knows what's going on, really. Right. Um, but valid point, but I still think they play them as hard as they can play So them. then the Red Sox have all six on the road, all six of them. Now, 
you know, Washington is at the bottom of the NL East, 20 games behind Atlanta. I don't think they're a terrible team. No. But it, but Neither the Baltimore of those teams Orioles are going to roll over. Well, I mean, Baltimore is a terrible team. So, but I, I honestly think in Baltimore is almost like a home game for the Red Sox if any fans travel and they're going to go sail of Aldi and Pavetta because they know. They know that they they need those at least two of those three and probably all three. And if they can get through that series, if they sweep Baltimore, I think the Red Sox will be assured the second wild card spot. And especially if like you know whether Toronto wins two or three or New York wins two out of three. I mean, I think we're basically looking at, in my opinion, the Yankees will finish in that top spot, and the Red Sox will be in the second, and we'll have a game at Yankee Stadium, uh, a, a one game playoff to see who plays Tampa. And we, I would love to see that in Yankee Stadium. Obviously, um, I think the the games like if you go by what you say, and the games that the Yankees w- could lose would be the Toronto games, like that they might lose because Tampa wouldn't play them as hard. Um, I mean, I guess that's what you'd want as a Red Sox. But they don't fan have to sweep. They don't have to. You. They don't have to sweep. I mean, they they can win two out of three and two out of three, and then I think I just feel golden. like you got to keep winning just for the mentality. But if you win two out of three against Toronto, you basically shut the door on Toronto. Yeah, right. So yeah. all they have to do is win two games, and I think win the that, series in that, Toronto. If they win the series against Toronto, you're I good. think they're guaranteed to po- yes. the wild card berth. Yes, you're in the postseason. Then you just got to figure out where you're playing. And I then then it becomes I, you know, obviously they'll have. And if they can guarantee that soon enough, then they can shuffle Garrett Cole around. I mean, you're going to have hopefully Cole. Cole is lined up to pitch either the the game to figure out what what's going on or the, or the wild, wild card, card game. game. He's, and for he's the Red Sox, it'll be either. interesting because Sale is slated to pitch the last game of the season. So you would think it'd be Evaldi who would pitch the wild card game or a playing game. So Sale's not going to be available for that wild card game to start. I mean, if things go the way they're going now, that's the picture. And you know what the truth is? Like, I th- I think that that's probably fine because I think Ivaldi's been a better pitcher. But I mean, again, for all the money and everything, I, I, I would be more fun to see Garrett Cole against Chris Sale. Let's just be honest. About yeah. Well, we'll... All right. Let's go to the Nugget. Nugget of the week. What do you all got? Right, so we're talking. We we got the. We're talking about the Blue Jays. And we're talking about the Rays. We're talking about the Yankees. We're talking about the Red Sox. Right. So let's talk about the Rays. We're going to talk a little bit of attendance again because we had mentioned them before how they can't outdraw the Hartford Yard Goats. Right. So the Rays are averaging eighty six hundred fans a game this year and the Marlins are averaging 7,500. That's insane. All right. Now the Blue Jays are less because Blue Jays didn't even play at home. They played right. part in Dunedin and then part in Buffalo. So right. they're out of the equation, but they actually average less. Well, the Red Sox, I don't know what the numbers are. Do you have them in front? I know the Red I didn't Sox. I not the Red Sox or Yankees. Okay. They're up, they're up there. But so it got me thinking. So I got me thinking about the least attended Major League Baseball game and the most attended Major League Baseball game. Okay. All right. Let's start with the least, which is basically, uh, it's from September 28th, 1882. So coming up on how many years is that? 140? Yeah. 139? Yeah, a long time, right? So this game was played between the Troy Trojans, Troy, New York, I'm guessing, which yeah, we yeah. F- from the Capital District called Troilet, yeah. um, <laughs> against the Worcester. Now, what do you think the name of that team was? The Worcester Mass. What, is it, what, was, their, what was their name? What, like Worcester was the city known for? Yeah, no. What was the name of the team? So if the... the if the Troy Troy was the Trojans, who do you think Worcester Worcester was? The Woo Sox? No, the Worcester Worcesters. The Worcester Worcesters. The Worcester Worcesters Worcesters. That's awful. All right, so that was played in Worcester, Massachusetts, and on drew? September twenty eighth, eighteen eighty two, and these two teams had recently been informed they are being eliminated from the National League, and there is rumored that on this 
dark, cloudy, windy, cold day that there were six people in attendance at this game. Six people. Six people. That's the lo- that's the lowest attended major league game ever ever recorded. All right, so now we're going to go to the most, and we're going to start with the most ever of a preseason game, which includes the Red Sox, and that was... Azteca Stadium in Mexico? or No, March 29, 2008, at the L.A. Coliseum against the Dodgers, 115,301. That's amazing. Now, I, that's, don't rem- I don't remember that game. Do you neither, remember that no, game? No, neither did I. And that's what, I, that's, that's what got me kind of was like, oh, cool, because I don't remember that. And that's not that long ago, Brian. It's like 13 years no, ago. No, that's why I thought, I mean, that's when I was in full-blown fandom. I figured yeah. I would remember that. So that's preseason, so that's not official. So now we're going to go to regular season. But uh-huh. now you got a discrepancy here, because there's Paid single game double headers, and then there's a regular single game. So we're going to start with the double headers, and that's where the Yankees come into a factor. 9 9 28, Yankees versus Phillies at Yankee Stadium, 85,265. That's a double header, single, single admission double header. How'd they fit them? Placed it, in. It's total. So 40 something thousand, 40 Left something thousand. Some came in. Okay. So maybe people, obviously people had to go home and. Yeah. Uh, what about single game? Because I don't the doubleheader one doesn't right, interest so me as much. You just want to work the Yankees in. That's all. Yeah. So the other ones were the Yankees in Cleveland and at home. Actually, one in Old Municipal Stadium. Now the largest single game regular season was at Mile High Stadium in Denver for the Rockies inaugural game against the Montreal I guess, Expos. I want to guess it. I want to guess it. Ninety-three. How many people were there? Sixty-two thousand. Eighty thousand two hundred and twenty-seven. The place only fits like fifty-eight. I thought. No. Mile High Stadium. Oh, they played a mile high. They didn't play at Coors they Field. They hadn't started oh, Coors Field yet. That's a, that's that's stunning. You know, it's funny because I look at the stats, and we'll just leave you with this. You know, the Red Sox averaging about twenty one thousand and change this year. The Yankees twenty three. I mean, to me, for the Red Sox to average under thirty thousand, ticket prices are too high. Yeah, I mean, it's just if they lower the ticket prices, people would they go didn't to the game. sell out the Yankee game on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, that's just insane. All right, listen. So uh, next, we want to tease next week Speaking and some of social fans, media. We need, yeah, we could use fans. So follow us on social media. Yes, on YouTube and Facebook, Fanbase Podcast on those two searches, and then on Twitter at Podcast Fanbase. And we always push our stuff out, and you can go to YouTube to watch, you know, our ugly mugs if you so choose. Now, episode fifty. Uh, we're gonna. It's gonna be fun. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Doug Green, a uh, guy who I just, I he used to work with us at NBC Connecticut, but grew up uh, in California, Dodger fan. And the thing I want to focus on the most with with Doug, who went to Princeton, brilliant guy, incredible storyteller, is I want to compare Dodgers, Giants to Red Sox, Yankees. Exactly. Because How I see, I see more fights with Giants, Dodgers games than I, I want to talk next week. I want to talk about fights too. Fights in the stands. So Less security, more fights. You want that, or that's no, no, what it's no. Been? I want to talk about it because I yeah. feel like that's that's just been crazy it's everywhere. Been crazy. There was like, I I just been especially out a whole west. show on it. Yeah, it's I, it's football to me, it's, is crazy. It's football's been ramped up, but there's been a lot of good baseball fights. Well, that's in the why stands. I was nervous. I went to the Patriots Saints game, and we my son is a Saints fan. He had the Saints jersey on, and we were up in the three hundreds. I was nervous. He, you know, I was going to have to defend my twelve year old son. You, you got it. The higher you go up, the, the more, more dangerous the more it more is. More eyes you got to have in the back of your head. Hundred percent. So we got through it okay. Uh, we'll talk to Doug Green next week about that because it's a great comparison. So we'll talk about fan fights, Dodgers Giants versus Red Sox. And we're going to look at the postseason. Yeah, and we'll do some MVP talk, too. Yeah, yeah. So he's John Seneca and Brian Shackman. We will see you next week on Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.